stay connected. Sign up for our newsletter. Go beyond your favorite Voice America shows. Visit iradioblog.com. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Well, today we're going to be looking at something uh, that we don't usually talk about on this show, but it's very interesting and uh, probably very key to the survival of our country. Um, we're going to be talking about wishing upon a star, space, diplomacy, and power. And um, my guest, Jerry Edling, is fresh from giving a speech at the prestigious International Space Development Conference. And now that he rehearsed the speech at the conference, he's ready to be on our show. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Jerry. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I, I should also give a little more background information about Jerry. We'd be here all day if I really uh, said everything, but he is a career broadcaster and writer. He's won multiple Associated Press and Golden Mike Awards. He's been nominated for Emmys and Writers Guild Awards, all that is plural. He is currently an editor and writer for KNX, which is the CBS LA affiliate. It's an all-news radio station that I have the honor of being on uh, from on a semi-regular basis. And he's also, in relation to this talk, uh, this topic, he's also a recent alumnus of USC's Master of Public Dipl- <laughs> I can't say it, Diplomacy Program, um, where he learned about the uh, ideas, he developed the foundation for his ideas on space diplomacy and power. So, welcome again. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, I mean it that Jerry literally uh, is just back from the conference. He, it was actually yesterday that you gave your speech. Yeah, yesterday morning. About uh, It was maybe about 25 hours ago. So. <laughs> so you really are fresh off of it. And I understand that you were very, very well received. So tell us, before we get into the topic, tell us in general about what the International Space Development Conference is. Well, it, it, it's basically, just as it sounds, it's the, uh, the annual convention of the National Space Society, which is a uh, collection of uh, uh, primarily engineers, scientists, and space visionaries, and space enthusiasts uh, like myself. And uh, basically, they meet once a year, and uh, they're, they're very much on the cutting edge. They're uh, uh, talking about... Uh, where you know a lot of people are still sort of dreaming about uh, can we have a permanent presence in space can we uh, can we go to mars can we uh, go to the outer planets and things like that 
they're actually already planning the voyages. And a lot of the workshops at these things are the uh, the nuts and bolts type uh, type things as uh, uh, to uh, preparing for that. For example, uh, uh, on uh, yesterday, I attended a uh, workshop in which I was, uh, you know, completely out of my league about developing a propellant depot in space for refueling and things mm. like this. So it, it's, it's a very practically uh, oriented uh, convention and very, uh, very mind-blowing, to use an archaic term. Uh, and uh, I was, I'm a new member of the National Space Society. I just joined a few months ago, and I was honored to have been asked to speak. Yes, well, they they knew that you had something to contribute. Now, the first thing that comes to mind when you're talking about this <clears throat> is if this is an international conference, um, then aren't people giving away secrets that, I mean, you know, it's a, the race for space, um, the race to space. <laughs> uh, you know, isn't that... How can there be, aren't people giving secrets away that would be um, uh, detrimental to their race? I mean, to their, they'd be helping, up, helping out their competitors. Actually, uh, actually it oper- the way it's operating right now, it, it operates more on a, uh, a critical mass principle in that, uh, I mean, the, yes, during the Cold War, that, that would have been the uh, consideration. You, you wouldn't have had... Uh, uh, necessarily Soviet uh, space experts sharing their expertise with the uh, the Americans and and vice versa, but space has become such a collaborative effort now, and the uh, and the Cold War is uh, uh, is behind us that it's uh, it's uh, the ideas feed off each other. And uh, and uh, ideas are welcome, and there's very much a spirit of collaboration. And nations want to, and individuals uh, want to uh, share share ideas uh, with other nations, because the primary challenge now is not beating the other guy to say Mars, but the primary challenge now is just getting developing, as I see it, is just developing the rationale to commit the resources to more deep space exploration. Because what we're fighting, to a large extent, is the feeling that, oh, we've already been to the moon, there are more pressing problems on Earth, why spend the billions and perhaps trillions of dollars it would take to, uh, uh, to go, uh, you know, to, to continue deep space exploration. So the people at conferences like this are very much committed to the idea of space exploration because they know it has enormous benefits on Earth. I mean, um, you know, the benefits of the, the Apollo program and the shuttle program and the International Space Station are just innumerable. Well, I guess now we're getting into what you talked about or we're starting to, right? So why don't we segue into that, space okay. diplomacy and power. Okay, well, basically my, my thesis was, uh, uh, again, uh, going to the challenge of looking for a rationale for exploring space. Uh, my thesis was basically we need something to, uh, to develop the momentum again, because during the Cold War, the momentum was developed by uh, 
but quite frankly, the, the Cold War and the competition. Uh, it was there was a major political benefit to be gained by uh, beating the Soviet Union to the moon, because you got to remember that originally uh, the Soviet Union beat the U.S. in terms of putting the first satellite into space, Sputnik. Uh, putting the first uh, human being into orbit, Yuri Gagarin. And uh, the U.S. really took it on the chin for, during that period, and there were a lot of frantic efforts to, uh, to, uh, to play catch-up in terms of uh, uh, science, technology, engineering, and math education. And uh, just it was sort of the zeitgeist of the era. And President John F. Kennedy, who famously committed the nation on the course to uh, a mission to the moon, uh, was not really a space enthusiast. He confided to uh, the administrator of NASA that he wasn't really that, that much interested in space, but he was very interested in the prestige uh, that, would, uh, that would result from uh, beating the Soviet Union to the moon. And that's why... That's why we did it then. So the question becomes, why do we do it now? Uh-huh. And, and, and that's, sort of, that's sort of what was the, at the heart of my speech. And what I argued uh, was that, uh, that space is a continuing uh, source of national security. And what uh, Joseph Nye Jr. of Harvard University calls soft power. Now, soft power in in an international sense, is the ability for a nation to get what it wants uh, through uh, attraction rather than coercion and payments, and that's as opposed to hard power, uh, which is the ability to get what you want through either military force or or the wealth of a nation. So, my thesis is that space is an enormous source of soft power, and. Uh, so that uh, to maintain sort of our level uh, as a nation, uh, we need to be a space-faring uh, civilization. Going beyond that, there are enormous uh, practical benefits to, uh, uh, to going into space. If you look back at the uh, uh, Apollo program, have you ever had a CAT scan or an MRI? Uh-huh. Uh, they are um, they are both uh, the result of the uh, the Apollo program, direct results of uh, trying to establish a technology that would uh, provide sharper images of the moon. Mm. The jaws of life, would, uh, the device used to uh, extricate people from accident scenes, uh, mm. that was developed as a way of. Uh, Separating the, uh, the 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 booster stages of the uh, the shuttle, and you know you could go you could go on and on and on. So, what I proposed, and um, I'll try to avoid getting long winded here. You're, but, you're doing fine, yeah. But uh, what I proposed is that uh, uh, the United Nations or or a similar organization establish a an international year of Earth and space to tie the goals of space exploration to the goals of the, to the UN Millennial Development Goals. Now, those goals, there, there are eight of them, and uh, uh, I won't read them all off, but uh, they're, they're basically 
conquering malaria and other diseases, empowering women, uh, improving math and science education, improving educational opportunities, uh, developing portable water sources and things like that. And well, the technology- go ahead. What are the other ones? Uh, let's see. Uh, I didn't mean to. <laughs> um, well, okay. So we get. I get the gist of. of this is. These are things that the the um, UN decided, in general, to be, to be their goals for this century. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And the the uh, target year is uh, 2015. Oh. And. And so what I'm proposing is that uh, we establish an international year of Earth and space in the year 2013, uh, in the year 2015, pardon me, uh, to, to tie in space exploration with these millennial development goals. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. Well, we need to take a break. This is a good point to do that, and we'll hear more about uh, what, you're, what you've proposed um, uh, in your speech, Wishing Upon a Star, Space, Diplomacy, and Power. This is really such an interesting uh, topic. Um, again, my guest is Jerry Edling. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Tune in for an enlightening and thought-provoking program called The Child of Gulag. Our program is hosted by Dr. Yuri C. Feinberg, a political refugee and former citizen of the Soviet Union. Dr. Feinberg will add his unique perspective to issues that affect us today and will show how many of these issues are tied to the past, whether directly or indirectly. We'll also discuss future implications of these issues. The forum is open every Tuesday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking with you today about wishing upon a star, space, diplomacy, and power, with my guest, Jerry Edling, who is just back from giving a speech at the International Space Development Conference, where he was joined by uh, similarly illustrious speakers, such as Buzz Aldrin 
and Nate Jameson, who is an astronaut and with the International Space Station. So, um, Jerry, before the break, you were starting to talk about how you had proposed to have 2015 be a special year for space exploration. Yeah, and uh, and once again, the whole idea is to tie the benefits of space exploration to the eight millennium development goals, mm-hmm. uh, which are to alleviate extreme poverty and hunger, achieve universal primary education, uh, promote gender equality and empower women, uh, reduce child mortality, uh, improve maternal health, combat uh, AIDS, malaria, and other diseases, ensure environmental sustainability, and develop a global uh, partnership for development. Uh, my, my whole thought was uh, uh, a lot of the technologies that are developed for and together with the space program are technologies that could be used both for these millennium mm. development goals mm. and for space exploration. To give an example, water purification which is enormously important on Earth because, quite frankly, we're running out of water. Population, uh, the population is increasing, and uh, water is going to be a major source of conflict uh, going forward. So if you develop water purification technologies, that can help alleviate conflict on Earth while at the same time uh, allow for recycling programs that can... uh, empower uh, interplanetary voyages. If you can reuse the same water over and over, uh, you can get to Mars more easily. Things Wait, like I that. lost you. How is that? How is Well, they're already uh, using that to a certain extent on the, uh, uh, on the space station. Some water is, is, uh, is recycled, I mean, through the, uh, through the sanitation system. I see. And, uh, uh, and other water... But you can also develop water synthesis technology. You you take hydrogen and oxygen, and uh, you, you know out of the out of the fuel cycle, and you could use those. You could develop a uh, uh, a whole recycling system that produces water. Water is a byproduct. Product. Mm-hmm. You hear you hear about hydrogen power car powered cars when we talk about uh, uh, the greenhouse effect. And you hear about hydrogen power cars, and I'm, I'm sure you've heard the whole idea that uh, the, the only thing coming, coming out of the tailpipe will be water vapor. Well, take that into space, mm. and, and the water vapor literally coming out of the tailpipe can be used for drinking water. Mm. So that's an example of the kind of technology that's, uh, uh, that can be applied to both. Another example would be remote sensing technology, the type of sophisticated mapping technologies that have been developed through uh, the various satellite programs. They're, they would be great for developing landing sites for Mars uh, in a space application. And uh, in an earthly application, you can use that to... Uh, uh, Bill Gates, in a recent interview, talked about how... Uh, one of his challenges in, in developing public health campaigns is that a lot of the villages that they're targeting are simply inaccessible. The roads aren't there. So you can use these sophisticated mapping technologies to find out where these villages are 
and develop the infrastructure that will uh, empower more uh, more and better health care for those areas. So those are just a couple of examples. Hmm. So was there anybody there? You were you said um, when we were talking during the break, you were saying that there were several hundred people who attended, and obviously people who, who some people who are uh, have a lot of power to do things. So did was there someone or someones who would be able to interface with the UN to actually make this happen? It, it, it's difficult to say. Most of the people uh, there were were engineers, so NASA was was very well represented. I'm, I'm not sure that the, the United Nations was. So, but, uh, but considering the credentials of many of these people, uh, I think it's quite possible that some of the ideas could, uh, could percolate out. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I had a, a talk in the, in the corridor with, the, uh, uh, with, one, with one of the people who developed the uh, International uh, Space Station. And uh, uh, he was the one who uh, who conducted the workshop on uh, on uh, I think it was uh, having propellant depots in space, which which is which a highly technical workshop. But I found it fascinating because again, these are people who are working on the uh, the infrastructure of uh, of space development. So I'm hoping yes, I'm hoping these these ideas will. Uh, uh, will percolate out because mm-hmm. because I think I think that's the challenge. I think you've sort of identified the challenge. We have to bring together the people, the sort of the the techies who are working on the uh, who are working in very sophisticated areas of space development. Bring them together with the the diplomats who are working mm-hmm. on these more earthly goals mm-hmm. and 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 have a more unified. A more unified vision, because I think, uh, to echo the words of Buzz Aldrin, I think it's time for us to start thinking about becoming a two-planet civilization. Uh, if we if we rely solely on Earth, uh, we do so, and I'm talking about we're looking ahead hundreds of years, admittedly. But if we rely solely on Earth, we do so at our peril. We're we're in a very fragile state. In, in terms of both uh, man-made problems and just uh, natural hazards, the two planet, um, the second planet would be Mars. The second planet would be Mars. Uh, uh-huh. Aldrin's idea is to uh, he's developed a, a spacecraft called the uh, or a spacecraft concept called the Aldrin Mars Cycler, and it would uh, his idea is that we shouldn't just worry about having a mission to Mars and putting a man or woman on Mars, you know, that that's kind of a, a window dressing goal. But his, his idea is that we should establish a permanent presence on Mars. And to do that, he's developed this Aldrin Mars cycler, which basically would make the trip between Earth and Mars every two years and serve as kind of a shuttle for people and uh, materials to establish a permanent presence there. Mars would be the beginning. Then we have to, uh, uh, you know, in the centuries to come, we, we can look farther than that. But uh, Mars is, is just the starting point. Hmm. Well, and, and the people who would be going there would be astronauts, not, not necessarily. I mean, there's that other whole 
I don't know if this was represented at all or anyone talked about this at the conference, but what about um, these people, these companies, private companies who are building um, rockets, I guess, that would go to Mars or go to the, I don't know where, <laughs> or go around the Earth. I mean, the, that um, they're, where they're selling tickets for gobs of money um, for people who aren't astronauts, but just who want to take this ride, has that well, somebody must have talked about that? Well, yeah, yeah, and uh, uh, you bring up a very interesting point because there are there are sort of two prongs of space exploration going on right now. Uh, the one I was addressing was more the uh, the national and international prong, if you will. But the uh, in many ways, the most exciting part of the uh, space exploration right now is being launched by private companies. And the majority of people at the, uh, the conference uh, represent those private companies. I, I talked for a long time with a, uh, a gentleman who's working with a startup company called Deep Space Industries, and they want to get into uh, asteroid mining. And uh, uh, Yeah, are... I read something about that, yes. Yeah. And uh, and there are other companies. Yes, the the ones uh, uh, offering space tourism, uh, they're uh, very well represented. And there are all there's already talk about uh, sending people on a uh, uh, on a, a private mission to orbit. You know, to do one orbit around the moon, and you know that would cost a hundred million dollars or, or or whatever. So the point being is that. Uh, uh, first of all, these two efforts are feeding off each other. The, uh, it's, uh, uh, there's commercial space development and, uh, and uh, national uh, space exploration. And the exciting thing is, uh, to a certain extent, the critical or the, uh, the center of gravity, if you will, of space exploration right now is very much in the private sector. And... Uh, uh, I think the challenge is to bring together the private sector and the national space exploration efforts and create a, a sort of a, a unified vision. And to a certain extent, this is being done. President Obama's uh, space program or program of exploration calls for shifting NASA uh, to more deep space goals, to more, you know, to to, to developing the transportation modalities that will uh, that will open up space and then the commercial space ventures will follow closely behind and they come second only because you have to create a model for them to make money I mean they're they're not just going to space for the the thrill of it or for the uh, prestige for the prestige or anything like that they have to make money so you have these national and international uh, efforts at the forefront, and then businesses uh, follow with the profit-making ventures. And, and where we are right now is that, the, uh, uh, that we're beginning to move in from the concept stage to actually the reality of businesses developing these, uh, these ventures. I mean, look at Virgin Galactic, which is... Uh, is establishing a spaceport in New Mexico and uh, hopefully will uh, be taking people into low Earth orbit within within a year. 
I mean, these things are becoming reality. And it's, it's, well, isn't there, wasn't there some concern on the parts of some people there that, um, that some of these private enterprises could run amok? I'm, I mean, could have goals that are uh, contrary to our national interests, and I hear the music, so that means we have to take a break right now. But when we come back, I want to ask you about that, because, um, you know, it seems like a fun idea, <laughs> But if, uh, you know, I wonder how, but there are no controls that, uh, that I know of at the time, at the moment about, um, such things and, and the potential interference with national efforts. Well, we do need to take a break. My guest is Jerry Edling. We're talking about wishing upon a star, space diplomacy and power. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Many people are seeking to make a difference in the world, but few actually have the tools to do so. Every week, host Mary Beth Lodge and her guests will have you thinking forward and will give you the tips to keep your life goals, priorities, and choices on track. The result is an easier, happier, and more inspired life. The name of the program is What Matters. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. What really matters is the positive changes that you'll bring to your life and the world just by listening. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships... Check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, where we're talking about wishing upon a star, space, diplomacy, and power with my guest, Jerry Edling, who just gave a speech of the same name uh, at the International Space Development Conference. And um, before the break, we were starting to talk about um, what I see as, as conflicts, um, the two conflicts, one between private industry and, and public space exploration, and then also um, the controversy or the danger of sharing secrets amongst countries. And I just want to interject my uh, space story. <laughs> um, no, I didn't go to the moon, um, but... Um, but I actually uh, feel this is one of the things that I'm most proud of accomplishing in my life. There was a net, you'll know this, um, in 1993 there was a, uh, a NASA uh, rocket that was supposed to go up and it had, it had 
private industry experiments on it. It was paid for in part by private industry. And as such, NASA, for the first time, and, and so far the last time, the only time, um, they were selling uh, the outside of the rocket to be an ad, like ad space for some company, the highest bidder. And the highest bidder was Sony and Columbia. And they bought the outside of the NASA rocket to advertise um, Arnold Schwarzenegger's movie, Last Action Hero. Well, <laughs> as a lot of my listeners know, um, I'm a, a, a very staunch anti-media violence activist. And um, when I heard that this, that this was going to happen, um, first of all, it was obscene in terms of selling ad space on the outside of a NASA rocket. I just thought that was incredibly tacky. But also to sell it to a violent movie was just too much. So I took four months of my life and uh, checked out of my regular life and went into um, activist mode to get people... I kept giving out contact information. I was on all the television and radio and live events, whatever I could do in those four months um, before the rocket was due to go up. I gave out the uh, the number for the NASA hotline, you know, the complaint hotline, the president, um, Sony and Sony slash Columbia's uh, studio, and Arnold Schwarzenegger's publicist. <laughs> <laughs> and I got so many people to write and call and fax and bother them, basically, um, that the whole rocket got scrapped, which is not what I was looking for, but if that's what had to be done to get there to not be an ad for Last Action Hero, then that's what had to be done. And the reason why that happened is because the private industries that were supposed to have their experiments on the rocket were so upset by all the bad publicity that I had given the rocket, or given the ad in any case, that they uh, bailed off the rocket. And, and I, that's one of the things, that one of the accomplishments, you know, it just shows that, um, that one person can make significant changes in the world, and that's one of the things that I'm really proud of, that that didn't happen, and hopefully it won't happen. Well, you sound like a very powerful voice. We should, uh, I should enlist you to spread the word about the International Year of Earth. There States. we go. <laughs> sure. Okay, so tell us about this, this, you know, talk about this, this private, public, um, you know, I guess it's a race into space, but for, you know, private versus public, and, um, and like what you were saying, the Virgin Galactic, and I read something about, um, I don't know if this was like just a, a satire where this was true, but there was, I read something about there being the possibility of going into space, sitting next to Brad Pitt, if you were the highest bidder, do you know about that? No, no, but uh, uh, nothing surprises me. I, I mean, uh, 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 you know, I think we all remember when uh, uh, Lance Bass almost became a uh, uh, tourist on the International uh, Space Station. Uh, he, he's actually on the uh, the board of the the National Space Society, so uh, he is quite a space enthusiast. So, yeah, of course, we're going to see these crossovers with the. Uh, the entertainment industry, that's, that, that's going to happen. Uh, I think that's almost inevitable. Uh, going, going back to your point about uh, uh, private versus public, uh, I think the, uh, I don't really see the need for too many controls. I think the, the, the point is, uh, let me draw an analogy. I think uh, space exploration at this point is like the, uh, is sort of like the Internet. 
there's a certain aspect of it that uh, can't be controlled, and mm. and and a lot, and even national governments, at least in the free world, I'm not talking about places like Iran and North Korea, but even national governments have embraced the idea that there's something, you know, that there's something that's a part of the human civilization right now that national governments can't control. And mm-hmm. that's, that, that, that's created a lot of, there have been a lot of benefits from the fact that, uh, uh, you know, we can, we can interface with the people from around the world and we don't have to, we don't have to pay exorbitant costs to communicate with somebody on, on the opposite side of the planet and governments can't interfere with that. And I think you can, you can extrapolate the same thing for space. Yeah, there are going to be, there are going to be conflicts here and there and, you know, national governments uh, uh, may say, well, this is contrary to our interests and stuff like that. But the point is that uh, I think it creates some healthy competition. I mean, if the U.S. wants to be first to Mars, don't tap down a private effort to do the same thing. Compete with it. Mm. You, know? you know, go ahead with it. Embrace the idea that somebody else is interested in space. I mean, that's what got us to the moon uh, mm-hmm. to begin with. And, uh, and so, so I think it's, uh, I think the model going forward is not to, to worry about controlling private ventures. I think the model is to, to establish a link between national and private ventures so that the, the whole will be greater than the sum of its parts and that, that, that both, both type kinds of efforts will feed on each other. I mean, we, we already have to a certain extent, a public-private partnership. You look at uh, uh, the, the International Space Station has been supplied a couple of times by the SpaceX uh, capsule, which is a private venture. And, uh, and, and I think we should welcome that because keep in mind that the only other way, since the scrapping of the space shuttle program, the only other way to get to the International Space Station right now is on a Soyuz capsule. So do we really want to depend on Russia for all our shuttling between Earth and space? So, so NASA is actually embracing the private sector. And, and, and the whole idea right now is uh, develop, uh, leave kind of low Earth orbit to the private sector and for national governments and international consortiums to worry about the the deep space ventures and establishing the infrastructure uh, from which uh, the private sector will follow later on and things like the Mars cycler or whatever, whatever modality develops there. Yes. Well, that was really, uh, I was, it was really very disappointing. That's not a strong enough word, but um, that the shuttle program was scrapped. I mean, it, it was it was sort of unbelievable that that would happen. Yeah, yeah. Well, there uh, there are arguments uh, both ways. I, I, I mean, the uh, uh, it is it is kind of a shame that w- that it was scrapped because it it took the American presence uh, or, or took a large part of the American presence out of low Earth orbit. But uh, I guess the analogy would be. Uh, uh, maybe one analogy would be Sputnik. Uh, I mean, the, 
for a while, the USSR uh, had the only presence in space. But the U.S. countered with Apollo and things like that. So, so something will come along to counter that, whether it's uh, whether it's a Mars effort or or whatever. So, uh, I don't think the U.S. is going to abandon space. But you're right; it, it's it, it's not a sustainable model to ha- uh, to have to pay twenty five million dollars to uh, Russia every time we want to send an astronaut to the space station. Yeah, um, I mean, and and it goes to um, the premise of your talk. You know, the the power it gives off. Well, diplomacy and power. You know, it 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 really puts us at a disadvantage. If and also just the prestige. I mean, just the idea that we couldn't, that our country couldn't sustain that. I don't know. I I, uh, I mean, regardless of how much it was going to be used, it's just. It, it's just, um, I think it was very demoralizing for the American public to hear that that happened. Yeah, yeah, and, and in fact, that sentiment was echoed by, I think it was John Glenn who said, uh, uh, we can't abandon this, and uh, unfortunately, you know, his argument didn't didn't hold, but uh, when you get somebody on, on that level, uh, I mean, it is an important consideration. The bottom line... I think in the whole argument is that the whole rationale for discontinuing the space shuttle was that the space shuttle's functions could be accomplished through the private sector. I mean, again, you have the SpaceX capsule that's being used for cargo right now, but eventually the idea is to is to fly. Uh, astronauts and cosmonauts on on the SpaceX capsule as well. Okay, but um, if there's if there are just if there is one or if there are two or a few co- companies um, that the government would have to private companies that the government would have to depend upon, these companies could charge astronomical, so to speak, um, uh, fees for you know aside from Russia. I mean, even just American companies. Could charge if they were the only show in town, or there were just a couple of them. Um, they could charge huge fees for allowing the uh, government to to use them to to further their interests. I, I think the uh, I think the market to a certain extent will take care of that because there there are a lot of there's a lot of competition right now uh-huh. for uh, for uh, uh, establishment of or, or for shuttling. To lower Earth orbit, you have companies like SpaceX is one company, but there's another company called uh, Sierra Nevada that's working in the in the same realm, uh-huh. and you're going to get many more startups uh, in that area. So mm-hmm. I think uh, you know it'll eventually uh, up to a certain red line, so to speak. It'll go to the uh, the lowest bidder. So I think that'll keep the cost down. Uh, okay. Well, we need to believe it or not, talking about space and flying. <laughs> Our time is flying, and we need to take another break. This has been so interesting. So we have one, one last segment. Stay tuned. My guest is Jerry Edling. We're talking about wishing upon a star, space, diplomacy, and power. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! 
If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com American Heroes Network is a program for and about our American veteran heroes and their families. Join Gary Ray and his co-host as they show what is being done to help our veterans and showcase the companies and organizations that are helping our veterans and their families rebuild their lives. Listen for American Heroes Network, live and powered by the Voice America Variety Channel, every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. My guest is Jerry Edling. We're talking with you today about wishing upon a star, space, diplomacy, and power. And uh, Jerry is just back from having given that talk at the International Space Development Conference. Um, I, you know, I, I, maybe I'm maybe I've gotten too cynical. I mean, you know, I'm very um, uh, involved. You know, I wrote a book on terrorism, coping with terrorism. And so that's where my mind is a lot of the time. And um, I can't help thinking, like you had mentioned to me that there were two young men from Pakistan. I was asking you at the beginning of the show about competition amongst countries and sharing secrets. And, you know, I can't help thinking of space as um, as something that could be very uh, important, invaluable to uh, some power not just in terms of soft power like what you were talking about, of course that's true, but even in terms of hard power, um, actual um, wars, you know, actual um, uh, using it, using having, he who controls space in a sense has, a, has an advantage on weapons and, and using space for, not for all these wonderful kinds of things, but for to terrorize other countries. And so, you know, I wonder, especially when you were mentioning that there were people from countries that, you know, we do have questionable relationships with, like Pakistan, um, are, what happens when we share these secrets? Well, well first of all, the, uh, the ideas that were, uh, that were passed around at this conference weren't secret. So there's no danger the, of, uh, of anybody walking away with, uh, with classified information. I mean, a lot of the, a lot of the cutting edge technologies that are being developed right now are being developed in the open. Just to give you an example, and this is, 
this really uh, awed me when I first heard it. Uh, the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, DARPA, uh, which is an arm, it's sort of the cutting edge arm of the, uh, uh, of the Pentagon, uh, and which, by the way, was an outgrowth of, uh, of the Sputnik scare back in, in 1957. That's when, when the whole thing was established. And, and uh, uh, ARPA, as it was called back then, was instrumental in the establishing of the Internet. But anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. DARPA is actually, if you're a Star Trek fan, you, you know the, the whole idea of, uh, uh, you know, transporting from a planet to a, uh, uh, to a ship or transport, transportation from, uh, from ship to ship or, or, or whatever, and that whole technology. And, you know, beam me up, Scotty, uh, basically, that, that whole type thing. DARPA is actually working with that technology, and they're doing it very much in the open. And they've succeeded uh, in doing it at the molecular level. And this is sort of the ground floor of some of these very exotic technologies that are going to be coming into the, uh, the forefront. There's always going to be a danger that uh, advanced technologies, especially ones that are, that are dangerous, are going to fall in, into the wrong hands. I mean, j just to, to give an example, you know, 80 years ago, uh, atomic power, nuclear energy, was just a was just a dream. It was in the conceptual phase. Fast forward to where we are right now, and we're worried about Iran getting the technology for for a bomb. So, right. so, so it. it it all proceeds in steps. Yes, there's going to be a risk. Yes, there are going to be exotic technologies developed to, uh, for interplanetary exploration. And yes, there are going to be worries that uh, it falls into the wrong hands. But that's going to evolve over time. You know, uh, who knows what the issue will be 80 years from now? Are we are going to worry about some rogue nation uh, getting some advanced propulsion technology that, that has been used to, uh, uh, to go to Saturn in, in two days or something like that. Who knows what's on the horizon? But we shouldn't, uh, you know, we still need to keep moving forward. And, and, you know, those security safeguards, I think, will fall into place as we go. Well, I certainly hope so. I mean, it's kind of interesting what you were saying um about how because there's so much, I mean, it's, it's sort of made uh, friends of potential enemies. In other words, these countries who might be competing, who would be competing with each other, um, or could be, or, you know, might, might be down the line, um, that because the overall problem is getting people, uh, governments, to, to fund space exploration altogether, that it's made strange bedfellows of, of, from countries um, that might otherwise be more competitive with each other. Well, uh, you hit on an interesting point, because uh, if you look at public diplomacy, which is sort of my field, and which is the, uh, the conduct of foreign policy through engagement with foreign publics as opposed to governments, uh, you discover that one of the best forms of public diplomacy in dealing with adversarial nations is, is science. Because, yeah, because, uh, because everybody can agree that there are certain 
principles that are universal in science. You know, two governments may disagree on, uh, uh, you know, on social systems, but they're going to agree that one plus one equals two, or eight, a squared plus b squared equals c squared, because those are immutable laws. So science offers uh, the ground floor of a lot of the public diplomacy efforts that can bring together uh, nations that were once adversaries. If I may give a, um, an example, uh, look at the nations of Europe. Uh, during World War II, you had, uh, it was basically Germany against the rest of Europe, or Germany and Italy, the Axis powers against the rest of Europe. And one of the things after the war, one of the things that was one of the initial efforts was to establish a European coal and steel community. And the idea was that nations that cooperated on, on energy resources uh, wouldn't go to war with each other. And guess what? It worked. It led to the uh, development of the, uh, the eventual development of the European Union and even further political integration. So science can be at the ground floor of diplomacy and peacemaking, and that's, that's another benefit. Hmm. Yes, that's interesting, and I guess that goes also with the idea um, in these eight goals, I mean, eradicating disease and some of the other goals are really universal goals that any country, every country could agree on that they would like to do. Exactly, exactly, and uh, uh, so, uh, um, so, so different, different nations, for, for example, the, uh, I think in the Middle East, uh, you, you have a very strong tech sector in, in a nation like Israel. And I think that could be a ground floor effort for, for uh, Middle East peace efforts is to establish some scientific partnerships between Israel and some of its neighbors. You know, it, it would, there are a lot of obstacles to that, but, but uh, there's, there's less of an opportunity for for failure if you do it with uh, with a scientific basis where you don't have the political considerations uh then then if you just say well we need to talk about Jerusalem or something like that mm-hmm. you know you start you start with things that everybody can agree on yeah and- of course it does get really tricky because like what you were talking about you know the the idea of uh, giving people knowledge and then it falling into the wrong hands or people using it for the wrong uh, goals. Well, we could talk about this for hours and hours. It's really fascinating. And thank you so much, Jerry Edling, for being on the show. This is I'm sure we've given people um, lots of food for thought, uh, myself included. And um, I, I admire uh, your work in this area. And uh, hopefully uh, I, w- I trust that you will be invited back to next year's uh, International Space Development Conference because this is really important stuff. So thank you, and thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat. 
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.